Welcome to Art of the Kickstart, your source for crowdfunding campaign success. My name is Roy Morjan, president of Command Partners, a full-service crowdfunding marketing agency, and your host of Art of the Kickstart. Each week, I interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. If you're interested in learning what we're all about or kickstarting your own crowdfunding campaign, be sure to visit artofthekickstart.com slash checklist. Here you'll find our entire guide to crushing your campaign and taking your business to new heights. Now let's get on with the show. Today we have a very special episode. Uh, Matt is joining us for potentially the final time on Art of the Kickstart. And with us we have an awesome crowdfunding campaign with Bryce, the Ravian Jacket. So welcome our guest today. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having us on, Roy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So Matt, being this, this may be your final episode with us, what words of wisdom can you parlay on to us for the future of crowdfunding? Words of wisdom for the future of crowdfunding. A, if you've got an idea, don't do, go do it. B, there's no excuses. And C, there's probably no limits or no rules. So you can make something awesome. You don't necessarily have to play by conventional standards. And the more that you push the boundaries, probably the more successful you're going to be. So let's uh, let's make cool stuff. Indeed. Or something like that. Indeed. <laughs> Bryce, I appreciate you joining us. You know, you're, you're the main point of the conversation today. So really just want to talk about the, the campaign that you guys have just been crushing it on with the heated jacket. You know, give us some background in terms of your story, how you came to be, and how this product came to life. Yeah, it's kind of, I'll try to give a condensed version. I, I graduated college about two years ago, and I wanted to start a business, just like Matt said. I wanted to do it, so I decided to do it. And um, I started a essential oil diffuser company. Uh, about 12 months after launch, we sold that in a multi-million dollar acquisition. And then um, I felt like I could have made more in that deal, but I had given up so much equity to our investor that I didn't come out with as much as I wanted. And so I, I've heard a lot about the Kickstarter, heard a lot about the crowdfunding, you know, this this type of you know business funding, and I wanted to try it. And kind of along the path, I re- found my partners about August. We decided to partner up mid-August of 2015, and then September of 2015, we you know worked on our prototypes, and then September, mid-September, we started putting our video and campaign together, and then October, we we launched that campaign, and so that's the super condensed version of how we kind of all got together. You definitely launched it all right. It went well. Question, essential oil diffuser, were you selling on Amazon? We weren't. We were acquired before we even were able to go into the market. We just, we were selling to some retailers, but we were just coming off the line with our first production run and then the new company, Sensi, I don't know if you know, Sensi uh, does candle warmers and they acquired the company, so. That's awesome. Congrats, man. Serial entrepreneur? Trying to be. Trying to be. Yeah, I have this I have this chip on my shoulder. When I was in college, I got kicked out of the business school. And so ever since then, you know, I decided to choose another major and I just kind of thought, well, I'll show them the business school that I can 
be a successful business person. So most of the epic ones never graduated. What'd you get kicked out for? That's kind of cool. Just low GPA. My GPA wasn't high enough. So I think they say most most of the uh, successful businessmen in the world have below C averages in college anyway. So you know that that yeah. definitely makes sense. But but how did you go from the the oils to the heated jacket? What was the inspiration there? So I, you know, I'm very analytical. I, I look at analytics. I look at the back end of Google. We live in Utah and essential oils from doTERRA and Young Living are just going insane. I mean, you look at the, the, the charts and the search searches for those terms and it looks like a hockey stick. I mean, it's just hockey stick and tidal wave. And so we just thought at the time, you know, we're in Utah, these big corporate headquarters right next to us. You know, why don't we just try to sell you know, diffusers, that should be an easy sub product that we can sell to these oil people. And um, we we did, a, I'll talk about this tactic a little bit later, but we did a validation method that basically proved that, you know, our, our model was going to work. And so we moved forward and convinced an investor to invest about a million dollars into our company and then, you know, moved forward and manufactured all those goods. And right towards the end, a company came in and swept us up. So... That's interesting. How'd you convince them to invest a million dollars ahead of time? A lot of a lot of big time VCs, they like to see like Kickstarter success. They like to see some kind of sales volume, something. What'd you show them? So this this goes. This is my step number one for uh, for for launching a successful Kickstarter. It's the first thing they have to do that I feel like you have to do because a lot of people told me when I was researching Kickstarter that I need to have this massive social following that that was the only way to be successful on Kickstarter. I'm like, well, I got about three weeks. How can I be successful, you know, without a massive social following? And so I I came up with a test and I kind of coined it as the million dollar algorithm. And what it is, is essentially it's a three page fake website. It's a funnel. And I take an idea or a concept. And what I do is I, on page number one, I make a big long sales page. And there's only two options. You either click back to get out of the page or there's within each section of the website when I'm talking about the sales features or the advantages or benefits, there's a learn more button that will take them to page two. And then if they go to page two of my little fake website, page two will show them, you know, product details. And more specifically, there's a buy button and the price of the product or service. And there's once again, only two options, they either back out or hit buy. If they hit buy, it takes them to page three and page three says, you know, Sorry, we're technic- having technical difficulties or sorry, we're out of stock. And what I do is I put the Facebook pixels, conversion pixels, and the Google conversion pixels on that third page. And I try to master the marketing. You know, I try to find positive ROI on an I- idea before I-, I put any money into an investment. So I drive all the PPC to this fake website and I'm trying to create positive ROI to, you know, getting, figuring out what marketing we'll get people to the third page. And, and, you know, if I put a hundred dollars in, how much money am I making? And, uh, that's how we convinced the essential on the essential oil is I took that data and said, Hey, look, I don't even have a product and I'm making X amount of dollars in sales. You know, there's a demand for this product. And so, you know, that's how we convinced this VC is because we, you know, there's this gap in the market and we could show, you know, essentially sales data without any sales and without any money. You know, we're poor college students, just graduated. And then so with the jackets, you know, same kind of concept. I've done this with several different companies, but 
And that's the, that's the first advice I give people. You know, people are like, oh, go survey people, go talk to customers, you know, get out. And the problem is a lot of that type of validation is deceiving because people will just tell you what, what you want to hear, or they're not completely honest, or maybe they're not really your customer. But the point of this funnel is you literally get people to pull out their wallet. Like they're just about ready to pull out their wallet. So you know that the data you're driving is very accurate. So that's step number one for me. And that right there was a business lesson in and of itself. That was a la Tim Ferriss. That was beautiful. When did you first get started with this? It's Tim. It's really Tim. Fer- the thing is, Tim Ferriss, he only, he, he says this thing, you know, he says this concept, but he doesn't explain how to do it very thoroughly. And so I've experimented for years on this, trying to figure out how to perfect the way the funnel looks, how to perfect that whole process. And, you know, just in the last couple of years, right when I graduated is when it all kind of came together. So would you invest in PPC for proof? Um, for the, for the essential oil diffuser, we only, you know, we only did a couple hundred for the, for Ravian, it was about the same. Well, Ravian, we had a kind of, we had a lot of insider info on the, on the Ravian jackets too. So we didn't have to do a lot of testing with the, with Ravian, but it only takes a couple hundred bucks. And this is what a lot of people in Kickstarter and Indiegogo need to understand. Some of the business aspects behind this, this is pure left brain brilliance. So you're clearly see a demand and fill it, not a scratch your own itch kind of guy. Right. And the thing that people don't realize is, well, at least this is this is purely my opinion. You might disagree with me, but I believe that in in the beginning, Kickstarter was used as this validation method. But the reality is Kickstarter, you have to look more and more legit. There's it's coming to this point where people get on there, they know of all the failures in the past. And so if you look like a half put together project. Um, you know, you're going to get a half response in a lot of cases. Now, that's not always the case. If you've already had several backers, then, you know, I might be wrong on that. But my feeling is, is that, um, I mean, there's a little bit of investment to put together a good Kickstarter. And um, I don't feel like Kickstarter is the place to be doing your validation. It's a second level validation for me. You know, it's where, okay, I know the coat will work because I did my first test. Okay, Kickstarter is now to tell me, okay, what skew what color, who's my demographics. So when I go into full e-commerce or retail, you know, we're now cutting out two to three SKUs because we know where 80% of our sales are and what colors to invest in because of Kickstarter. So I feel like Kickstarter is a second level validation rather than that first level. This is the best interview we've had so far, in my opinion. Yeah, this is, this is killer, very good, Bryce. You're, you're killing it. You need to go back to college and ask your professor if you can give a guest lecture because this, this, is, this, is, this is awesome, man. What kind of money did you have to put into Ravian? You've got it validated, but then you said you had three weeks to launch. What did you do for marketing? How much did you run on Facebook ads? How were you doing this to have a $1.3 plus million campaign? Okay, so I'm seriously making an online course for this right now, but I'm going to give you the biggest nugget that took that. I mean, this is the nugget. So I tried every single method you could possibly think of. You know, you name a method, I probably tried it. And it was just pure, just A-B testing. We had, you know, I, we had a successful, a successful business in the past. So we had some money to spend and to figure this out. But the nugget, the number one nugget for Facebook and all this advertising is whatever marketing you use, you have to make sure that that marketing is going in front of people who already know what crowdfunding and Kickstarter is. 
Okay, so let's put that into what that what that means in a few examples. Facebook marketing, PPC. I started off the first two weeks, you know, segregating by, you know, interests. I would say, okay, the skiers, I'm going to target them. I'm going to target the people that like Cabela's. I'm going to target the people that, you know, like this outdoor sport, that outdoor sport. And I lost about $5,000 in the first two weeks. And I, you know, I was like, what the heck is going on? Nobody's biting. And then, you know, I, I'll say this publicly. I said a little prayer. I said, what the heck is going on? Like, where, where, why are we not making any money? And I had this inspiration that you have to target people that put you in front of people that already know what crowdfunding is. And so from a Facebook PPC, that meant I took all the interests, I erased all of them, and I only put three interests in there, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and crowdfunding. And as soon as I put those three interests in for my ads, I mean, it was 5x on my money. And then when I started, you know, and you can see it on KickTrack, about week two, week three, you all of a sudden see this big jump in our sales. And that's the day that I figured out that little secret. And then, you know, as we weed down the demographics by, you know, the location or, you know, different other little factors, it grew to about eight to 10x on our money. And so that was the biggest golden nugget is that you have to, if if you're shotgunning it, you know, basically doing the billboard method where you're putting your marketing ads in front of a whole bunch of people. See, the thing is on those first ads, we had an amazing click-through rate. We were like 40% click-through rate, but we had a 95% drop-off. And it was because you know 99% of people don't know or don't trust crowdfunding. So, Damn. Does that make sense? Yep. That's, uh, that's well said, man. What are your thoughts, Roy? Yeah, no. Tons of knowledge there, Bryce. I mean, honestly, it's, uh, it's, this, is, this has been a great interview so far. And I think You've obviously given a lot of thought into this being successful before, but in terms of, you know, nuggets of wisdom, you know, we see on our agency in terms of targeting. Absolutely. I mean, you must target people that understand what crowdfunding is, what the platform is, and understand that it's not like Amazon or eBay. When you click the buy now button, the product's not going to be there in two days. There's that level of trust that you have to get over. Uh, and when you're specifically targeting them with advertising, you must go where the people understand the product first and then branch out thereafter. Absolutely. You know what it makes me think of as well? It's almost like what you're saying is that Kickstarter itself is the company, not whatever you're trying to launch, but that. And that when you sell something to someone, it's always easier to sell the second time. The cost of acquisition goes way down. Oh, yeah. Well, all of these people have already bought into Kickstarter. You don't have to sell them on that. They're basically just buying another thing from the same person. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, if you target people like like for us in our market, if we were to target when we targeted the coolest coolers uh, following on Facebook, you know, amazing ROI because his following, you know, understood what crowdfunding was. You know, the quicker you can get an email list of your backers and make a lookalike audience, I mean, that is that's the number one technique, and it's the technique that most of these agencies use is that you know they gather all these audiences of different projects. And so when they bring in new people, they find an audience that matches, you know, close to it and they build a lookalike. And then, you know, lookalike is definitely the highest ROI activity that, that we had. I mean, you get, we have 6,500. What I did was I did an early survey. I got permission from Kickstarter to do an early survey, you know, very early on. 
And I gathered all the emails from my backers and then we built that lookalike off of about 3,000 emails. And, uh, you know, that just killed it also. So you clearly have a very strong internet marketing background. How did you get into all of this initially? I read Tim Ferriss's book about four or five years ago. And from that day on, I've just been obsessed with online marketing. I don't have any, you know, claims to fame yet, but I mean, I just obsessed reading about it and, you know, analyzing stuff and figuring out Google Analytics and just playing with it. I mean, I was a call, I got kicked out of business school. If I could, you know, figure this stuff out, you know, really anybody can. It's just a matter of reading books and, you know, material online, listen to podcasts like this, and, you know, listen to the tricks that people have figured out and just a kind of a side hobby. That's awesome, man. Congrats on the success. At the same time, though, it's not quite over. You've raised a ton of money. It's going well. But what happens next? Yeah, what happens next? It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of options. You got to understand what your strategy is. We're keeping Ravian very vertical online. We're sticking with, um, meaning we're keeping Ravian very jacket and um, jacket accessory oriented. And then, you know, we want to license out the technology horizontally to other people. And um, yeah, that's kind of where we're going with Ravian now. What went into developing the tech? Say that again? What do you mean? So you said you're going to be licensing out the technology. That means that you didn't necessarily find something simple. You didn't find something off the shelf. You had to put a bit into this if other people are going to be willing to license it. So what went into actually developing the product itself? A little bit more of a hands-on. Yeah. Um, And this is actually a really... You know, for anybody interested in business, I mean, there's this, there's an interesting thing happening in China. The middle class is growing and wages are growing. And what's happening to these Chinese factories is that this gap, all these middle people are just squeezing their margin. And so these Chinese factories are looking for any possible way to cut out the middleman and go direct to customers in the US and foreign places. And every time I go to China, I get, you know, about five to 10 companies sit me down and they say, you know, if you set up an office for me in the US and, and do this and this for me, we'll give you X amount of money, blah, blah, blah. Well, we, uh, we found a, a factory. We had a partner. We found a factory that had the basis of this technology. And he's been working with really big companies like Milwaukee. And we changed the technology a little bit and put it in a down jacket and changed some aspects so it was unique to us. And uh, we made him a partner in our company. So he had skin in the company and he had a direct access, you know, to the U.S. And basically we absorbed all his patents and all his technology became a part of our company. And, um, you know, and there's a lot of opportunity for people. You don't have to speak Chinese or any of that stuff. You know, they have a great foreign base. But a great way to do business is go find a factory that's hurting and they, you know, they want to partner up. They'll make new products for you. You know, if you want to do a Kickstarter with one of their products, you know, they'll fund it. He funded most of our venture and they, you know, we have top priority on the line, you know, just a, amazing terms. You know, that was, that's kind of how it developed is we found a factory with the base technology and partnered up with them. That's really freaking cool. And it kind of, it kind of segues a little bit into what I'm doing now. I'm getting, I'm more into Amazon business now than crowdfunding, which is why I, which is why Command Partners is taking over that and they're an awesome agency. But being able to work with the Chinese factories on a more hands-on level, 
that's interesting looking at the cutting out the middleman kind of deal because lots of Chinese suppliers are trying to start selling their products in the U.S., yep. but they don't have the skills and experience that someone Absolutely. like you and or other entrepreneurs value have. Comes in. That's where an entrepreneur's value from. I mean, even if you don't know that much, the fact that you live in the U.S. means that you can set up an Amazon account in the U.S. It means you can set up, you know, a bank account in the U.S. Those things they would have to pay, you know, enormous amount of money. And if you can build that trust with a factory, I mean, uh, it's just. You know, I'm only 20. I'm just barely turning 27. And if they trust a 27 year old kid to come over there and, you know, convince them to give me several hundred thousands of dollars and license their technology to me, you know, anybody can do that. So. And that's part of the taking risks and there are no rules. You decided, okay, we're going to try to do this. No one else has really tried to do this or not a lot. And it works out because you took, you kind of went for it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. No, this has been great, and I'm obviously a little bit ill, so I appreciate Matt taking all these questions. Um, Matt, I want you, since this is your your final episode, potentially to uh, conduct the, the the launch round or the fire round. So have a have at it. Okay, that sounds good. So let's do it. Basically, how this works, Bryce? I'm gonna ask you questions. They're gonna be fast. Just pop out answers. It doesn't really matter. It'll be awesome. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. So first question in the launch round, Bryce, what inspired you to be an entrepreneur? Rich Dad, Poor Dad, when I read that book. Absolutely brilliant book. Check it out, guys. If you could meet any entrepreneur, who would it be? Ooh, uh, wow. Oh, that's a good question. I really want to meet uh, definitely Tim Ferriss. Ooh, Tim Ferriss. That's that's not a bad pick. I might go Elon Musk. Either way, heads, uh, heads and tails, right? Would he be your role model growing up or person that you kind of inspired you for this? No, definitely not. But I think he's a genius with online marketing. And um, I definitely like to just pick his brain on how he looks and approaches online marketing. I think if you pitched him just on this and kind of talked about it, you could probably get you could probably get a sit down. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Okay, where do you see yourself in five years? Five years. Um, hopefully on Ho- Hawaiian Beach. What's the future of crowdfunding and entrepreneurship look like? Ooh, um, the future of crowdfunding. It's definitely going to increase. Kickstarter's got to figure out a way to mitigate uh, uh, projects failing. Um, I feel like that's a big problem. You know, I'm, I'm be- getting beat up by my backers right now, and it's because a lot of them have had bad experiences. And so um, there's some hurdles that, Kickstarter and these crowdfunding sites have got to overcome um, in order for it to keep expanding. So I'm not really sure where it's going, but if they can mitigate it, I think it's you know definitely going to keep growing. Yeah, it's clearly critical. But let's go back to the beach. Bryce, you're on the beach. What the hell happens next? I'm guessing you're the kind of guy that gets bored and always has something happening. What's that big thing that you want to accomplish? Huge problem, life goal, yada, yada, et cetera. Where are you headed? Yeah. So I've already kind of started heading down the path of creating education courses. I'm really, really, I, I feel like the greatest way to help somebody is to teach them to be an entrepreneur. You know, you, you know, give, you either give them a fish or teach them to fish. And with the technology and stuff that's available, you know, even by your cell phone, I feel like the greatest good I can do is teach people how to be an entrepreneur and how to start their own business. So education. Education's power, definitely. If you need a need a little education on getting your business on Amazon, check out FBA All Stars, Bryce. It might uh 
what you what you've got is pretty cool product. Actually. That's nice, we're moving nice into FDA, channel. so I definitely going to check out your stuff. That's that's what we're going to do with ours is move into F, FBA. So yeah, you can do some good stuff with it, and uh, we can chit chat more about that later. Sounds good. On and, another, any other on questions another, on your Android? On another podcast potentially. No, this is this on is, another podcast. Yeah. yeah. No, this has been awesome, Bryce and Matt. I appreciate you being and joining us. Bryce, you know, give us your pitch. Tell us what you're all about, where people should go, and why should they check you out? Yeah, we, we're on Indiegogo right now. We transitioned from Kickstarter right into Indiegogo. You can check us out there or go to Ravian, R-A-V-E-A-N.com, and there's some pre-order links there that will take you to our current Indiegogo campaign. A lot of cool stuff coming out in the future, so definitely, you know, check us out. And Bryce, I got a challenge for you. I want you to send a link to this interview to your old professor who kicked you out. Okay, I will. <laughs> see, uh, see if you get anything interesting. Yeah, that would be, I'm sure I would. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me on again, Roy. It's, uh, it's your show now. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Matt. Obviously, this is, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate you joining us today for one final episode. Potentially, we'll have you on again soon when we're doing more things with Amazon and Launchpad. Um, but Bryce, again, awesome, awesome nuggets of inspiration uh, in the campaign that you've been able to run so far. So I appreciate you guys both for being here. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. And thanks, Bryce. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a better business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us about it. There you'll find additional information about past episodes and our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. If you've loved this episode, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors and entrepreneurs find the show and helps us get better guests on here to help build your business. If you need a more hands-on crowdfunding strategy, please feel free to request a quote on commandpartners.com. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you soon.